Welcome to Full Blown Coverage, just another football podcast no one asked for. I'm Mark Sayer, and I'm joined each week by Andrew Irvin and Ken Menard. Well, let's skip the formalities and dive right into our weekly roundup. Dust has settled on Super Bowl 55, and the Bucks have emerged victorious in a 31-9 win that showed the Chiefs who's boss. Brady gets a seventh ring, holds nearly every Super Bowl record you could possibly think of, including appearances, wins, and Super Bowl MVPs. Tampa Bay gets their second title. This game never felt close. Ken, going back to it, in the words of the late great Fred Willard, what happened? <laughs> I love Fred Willard. He was great. Um, it really was. Well, you know, you heard it. You, you may, you may or may not have heard it here on this podcast first for the seven listeners that we actually have. Um, three of them being us. So um, I, I, I mentioned last week, I thought the difference in this game would be that the Bucks defense can put pressure on, and not just like quarterback pressure, but they can actually push back on the Chiefs offense. The Chiefs offense was not very impressive the second half of the season. They were winning games. They weren't very impressive. All right. Their offensive line was a mess. That hurt them tremendously, frankly. I think if Eric Fisher played, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. So it was really about the Bucks defense, which had really been impressive um, all year long. And the Bucks were peaking at the right time and the Chiefs were descending at the wrong time. And I just really think that the obviously their defense was the difference. They didn't even blitz. They rushed with four, four, four players, four, four defensive linemen. Patrick Mahomes ran for 497 yards. 33 of those were for positive yardage. So he Shit, was like, stole my he, stat. Oh, I'm sorry, Drew. He, uh, he looked like the quarterback in necessary roughness that was running around saying, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. That's literally what he looked like. <laughs> but as you know, considering I did the 30 for 30 on Tom Brady several episodes ago, the one thing that I just wanted to say about Tom that I think is really impressive that hasn't really been mentioned enough. I mean, Yes, he's a great leader. Yes, he's a great player. Yes, he's a hard worker. But all season long, all anyone talked about was Tom Brady. How is he doing it? Why are him and Bruce Arians, they're trying to create a story. Him and Bruce Arians don't get along. Brady's in Tampa Bay. Belichick's struggling in New England. All that type of stuff. What they weren't talking about was the rest of the Buccaneers team. So Tom took on all of that himself to keep the pressure off of everyone else. And I think it, it actually, in a game like this, it helped them tremendously to just go into the game loose, uh, ready to play, and just, you know, let it rip. Tom took it on. I mean, you say he, he, like, fell on a sword or something. Like, it wasn't like he asked the media to put no, blame on him. But that's what he does. But that's what he does. He's the ultimate alpha dog. He, he you know, he's the figurehead that everybody looks to on the team. Um, and the media is covering him. Well, if they're covering him, they're not covering Levante David and Devin White. They're not talking about Jason Pierre-Paul. They're not talking about uh, Shaq Barrett, all those other guys. Whether he does it on purpose or not, or it's just a byproduct of how he, how he manages himself, that's what happened. I do, think the, I do think the Kansas City offensive line was a big deal, but it wasn't a big enough deal to offset the score, so I don't think it's really diving in worth diving into um my buddy who's a Chiefs fan mentioned to me they had five offensive linemen on their roster at the beginning of the year taking up about 30 million dollars of cap space that didn't play in the Super Bowl like 
that that would be valid if it was a closer game. But one thing that I thought was interesting from a broadcast standpoint with CBS, like it was weird to me that the Britt Reed thing wasn't brought up like at all. Well, I think it was in the second half. Um, I know they talked about it on some of the pregame shows and stuff, but like that's a pretty big deal. Like that was a big deal on on a lot of different layers and I don't need to get into all the different layers, but like that's a pretty massive thing to have happen three days before the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, it's, it's unthinkable that Andy Reid was, I mean, that that's a major family issue. Like how, how focused are you on the game? I don't care if it's Super Bowl. He's a human with a family. If it was, if it was any of us and it was your son, you know, you're taking care yeah. of family business. It doesn't matter that Sunday's the Super Bowl, right? And I, I know like Super Bowl TV coverage is not like supposed to be a pillar of journalism, but I don't think the the casual fans that are watching the Super Bowl watch the pregame show. I know it was mentioned there, it was mentioned on probably every network, but it's kind of weird that it was ignored as a storyline in the game mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. I found that I found that weird. I thought it impacted them, but yeah, I think they I think they all think that somehow they're being, you know, politically correct in not covering a private family matter, mm-hmm. even though it's not private because public figure mm-hmm. Super Bowl. We yeah. all read about it. We all knew about it. And 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 because it is so public and forward facing, to me, it is a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And and certainly it's not an excuse for the Chiefs to lose but it does shed some understanding on the fact that there probably was a lack of typical preparation, whatever goes on in those last two, three days before a team plays Andy Reed probably wasn't able to focus the way he normally was. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. Well, well, considering his family history with his sons, obviously he lost a son in the past and this and Britt Reed had some, you know, legal problems and, uh, drug issues as well. I mean, if it was this wasn't the Super Bowl or maybe the AFC Championship game or a playoff game, there's a good chance Andy Reid wouldn't have been coaching. And and honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, it was it was strange. Like you know, looking back on the game, you kind of I, I could kind of feel that. I could kind of see that in their sideline. Like they're just it was something wasn't right. No, um, I agree. Well, I almost, and, and, once once it happens, I don't. You know, if the rest of the team becomes aware of it, it's kind of like an oh shit. Yeah, this is going to affect us. And there was like a lack of surprise on the sideline to me coming from the Chiefs who had been dominant all season and they did not. They looked upset. They did not look surprised to me that they were losing that game. Yeah, almost like they expected it. Yeah, the the last thing on on uh, the Chiefs for me. And like this isn't any hard cutting analysis. I'm not. I didn't break down all 22s, but like they also just didn't play very well. And like, well, I'm, for sure, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 stating the obvious, but like watch it. Like the Bucks played awesome. Their defense played better than awesome, but the Chiefs were just making mistakes where you're like, what? They haven't been doing this all year, and. Again, it was 31 to 9. This wouldn't change the outcome, but they were getting crushed on some like defensive holding penalties like at the worst possible times. Um regardless, the game sucked. Let's be honest. It was yeah. 
it's not it's not really worth getting into the weeds on this little thing like penalties or anything like that because it was a blowout and honestly it should have been worse if they had scored on that uh they had the ball at the one they could have scored it could it could have been worse than it was actually the way the game was played and the outcome of the game was um uh i don't know lackluster uh as compared to the actual results of the game so if you think about it the results of the game brady wins his seventh ring greatest winner in the history of team sports other than uh, I think Yogi Berra and um, Bill Russell, the only pl- two athletes with more rings, fourth Super Bowl MVP. That's that's impressive, but it, it really doesn't reflect what what happened on the field because uh, as far as the game went, because it was really like Drew said, it was it was a very very bad, pretty bad football game, and the ratings reflected that too. I've got two things to say before we move on. One is I agree with Ken in so much as I think Brady is enough of a polarizing figure that he tends to draw most of the media's attention on whatever team he's on, whether it was the Patriots or, or, or now the Bucks. And I do think that that allowed this team, in my opinion, looking back now, to fly a little bit under the radar to me. Yep. I think the defense is outstanding, to be honest with you. They deserve the MVP to me as much as, mm-hmm. as as Tom did. And I just don't think we really talked about them as much as we probably should have. You know, for a team, they were number six in turnovers. They were a great pass rush. I mean, mm-hmm. you saw that on Sunday. They just sort of flew under the radar. Also, even with some of the acquisitions they made in the middle of the year, like, you know, for as much controversy as Antonio Brown had stirred up over the last – year and a half have him join the team and just to never really talk about it again. I mean, it felt like we didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. It was weird, but you know, good for them. The only other thing that I will disagree with Ken on, you know, in addition to Tampa Bay's defense, I actually do think that the other MVP of the Super Bowl is a player that didn't play. I think it is Eric Fisher. I think it is the big fish. I've never seen Mahomes have to Mm. scramble and scatter as mm-hmm. much as he did in that game. I mean, Mahomes, when was the last time he had a game he didn't throw a touchdown? I think it was uh, what was it, against Iowa State in 2016 or something like that. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. Or he lost by that. double digits or something. He's never he's never been involved in a game in high school, college, that's or the it. NFL that his team didn't score a touchdown. That's unbelievable. Yep. I mean, that, that to me, you know, you apply a vacuum to this game – Fisher's the person who's gone and you know regardless of the fact if they even had four other guys that were on the team at the beginning of the year they were at least able to protect Mahomes so he could mm-hmm. beat Mahomes for for the rest of the games even though I do agree with you Ken I kind of felt like the Chiefs started to drop momentum at a little bit at the end I mean they're still so good yeah they're beating the teams they should beat but I do feel like the Bucks were on the upswing. Mm-hmm. Chiefs were on the downswing. And, you know, with everything else that happened, you really saw the result of those mm-hmm. two teams clashing in, in the Super Bowl. So, you know, that's all I've Mark, got to say. And, to, your, and, to your point, though, uh, about them flying under the radar, I don't necessarily think they were flying under the radar. I think they were flying under the radar as a Super Bowl team. Correct. No one, no one was saying Bucks are going to. I mean, there, there were were a few um, pundits out there saying they thought the Bucks would win. Some people picked them at the beginning of the year to win it. Um, 
but as a Super Bowl, like everyone's talking about Chiefs, Packers. Maybe this is the year that Saints win. The Saints win because it's uh, Breeze's last season. Um, but as a Super Bowl team, I don't think any. I, I, most people weren't really expecting. This. Yeah, we all do this thing at the end of the season from like week, you know. 15 to 17 in particular, but even as early as like week 14, 13, where any teams in double digits are the teams you're talking about mm-hmm. as being Super Bowl contenders. And these ones that are flying like nine or 10 wins, maybe they get to 11 or 12. You're kind of like, yeah, they're a good team. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl. And so we talk about every year, the teams that are 14 wins, 13 wins, you know, as being so mm-hmm. much more dominant. And really, it's like you won two more games mm-hmm. than yeah. they did. <laughs> and, and we all watch football every Sunday. How many of these games are decided by three points, a point? You know, yep. it's like anybody could lose those games. It was the Chiefs last year. I also feel like um, the NFC in general was slightly underrated this year because, the, the I mean, we forget now – that the Steelers were like 11 and 0, 12 and 0. Right. Like they completely catapult, fell off the radar. And then, you know, we, we all love the Bills. We liked the way they were playing. Um, and then obviously the Chiefs, who really lost one meaningful game all year until Sunday. Um, and that's not even mentioned the Titans, who were in the AFC championship game and had the best player in the AFC. Like, I feel like the NFC in general kind of flew under the radar and the Bucks weren't even looked at as the best team in the weaker division. Totally. I mean, look at, look at who the Bucks played before the chiefs. They play the saints, you know, yeah. and that was a better game than this was. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny. I was thinking about the quarterback that played the best against the Bucks in the playoffs was probably Taylor. Heineke. Heineke. Yeah. Yeah, and he, how about and he, that? And and the and the storyline is that he beat Breeze and Rogers and Mahomes. Yeah, too funny. Oh, did you guys see see the video of Brady stumbling around drunk oh, today? That was too good. That was amazing. <laughs> you know what? He fucking deserved it. Yeah. He deserves it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'd all be doing the same thing. Can't fault <laughs> the guy for that. I hate him for a million other reasons, but can't fault him for that. Which is looks like Mark after he he won seventy grand at my yeah. bachelor party. <laughs> yeah. That was, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, moving into my hatred of mega zombie Tom Brady and honey badger Tyron Matthew, they jawed all night. After the game, Matthew posted a since-deleted tweet where he said Brady called me something I won't repeat, but yeah, I'll let all the media throw me under the bus as if I did something or said something to him. According to ESPN, Brady sent a text to Matthew a day later apologizing for the incident and reportedly said his outburst came in an emotional and were in no way a reflection on his feelings toward Matthew and expressed a desire to apologize in person at a later date. Drew, how do we render the fat off this beef? Yeah, I kind of feel like this is just one of those Super Bowl stories that wouldn't be a big deal if it wasn't the Super Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. is this the first time people have talked shit to each other on a football field? They're like mm-hmm. trying to smash each other's faces the entire game and then like they have some sort of verbal altercation and we have to break it down afterwards i guess it is it weird because it's brady who is supposed to not say things like that i don't know it feel it feels like a, a manufactured story to me that people get into verbal altercations on football fields sometimes 
I think the story is as much as what happened after the game as what happened during the game. I mean, and, and I agree with you, you know, the media loves to run with this shit. I do think Matthew, if, if, if Brady didn't say something racist to him and Matthew made that post, it, the, the inference is that he did say something that was completely unacceptable. Right. But Matthew deleted the post it's a lot of people saying because he didn't realize Brady was mic'd during that. Mm. So at some point you may or may not hear this audio, depending on what oh, was said and what that I can a hundred percent guarantee you, you will not hear it. There you go. I, I, I will defer to the, the ESPN X ESPN. Broadcast yeah. Well, I, I, I tried to use some back channels of people I know to find, see if they can get, um, I, uh, someone I know who has some inroads at uh, NFL films and he said, they'll never tell me that. <laughs> so, but we tried. Um, but also, I mean, Brady also ran after him and then said something totally. to him. So, I totally. mean, like, you know, I, I mean, if it was racially motivated, which you can maybe make the case for that, I'm sure he probably would have said something publicly about it. Um, you know, that would be pretty much, you know, in, in today's cancel culture environments, well, would Brady say something publicly about it? I mean, the NFL, he's, at this point, is yeah, the golden the boy of all <laughs> golden boys. Why would – they have no vested interest in destroying his career, tarnishing mm-hmm. his legacy. If anything, they want to cover that up completely, in my opinion. I mean, I find it fucking ironic yeah. that the guy has – something that says end racism on the back of his helmet, but he has a fucking MAGA hat in his locker. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's not enough room in the back of my skull for my eyes to roll. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's certainly possible. Maybe he said something in in regards to Matthew's past. Um, You know, he did have some issues with marijuana um, suspensions, things like that. And it's possible he said something to him about his past. And Matthew just doesn't want, doesn't want people reliving that. Where he was like, "You fucking pothead!" Yeah, once you go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, exactly. That's, that's the sort of shit I yell at people yeah. on the football field. Yeah, I'm like, I <laughs> exactly. Know, yeah, I know yeah. your dad abuses your mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to speculate on what he said without knowing it's stupid. And our brains go to the worst possible place when you see yep. that. But I mean, isn't well, that a reason then for the NFL to release the audio so we can all even hear it? No, no, because yeah, it's. He's I not mean, such it can, a bad guy. It can be bad. It's probably really bad. I just, I'm not going to like assume that it's racially motivated for no, no apparent reason. Kind of feel like burdens on them to, to prove it's not, especially since Matthew <laughs> inferred that it was. The burden's not on them. What do they, what do they have to lose? They're very successful. Like, are people not going to watch NFL games if they no, don't of course, release of course it? They are. There's I mean, no that's burden the, that's on the irony of it. We're going to continue to do the podcast. Do I think it's possible he said something completely inappropriate? Yes. Do I think uh-huh. he did? Not necessarily. I think it's very possible also that Matthew knows if I post something like this, it infers this particular thing. It's totally believable that he might have said it. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's why he deleted it. I don't know. Yep. That's why I want to hear it. Yeah. I just want to know. <laughs> I like to know things. <laughs> the Chiefs weren't the only losers this Super Bowl. With more misses than hits this year, it seems the era of fabled Super Bowl commercials is officially over. Well, no cow. 
question. Does Oatly CEO Tony Peterson not understand that the first rule of CEO Club is that you don't star in your own commercials? Ah, yes. All right. So doing a little research on this uh, commercial. This uh, ad has been actually been existed in Europe for six years. It's also banned in Sweden because of mil- milk lobbyists. What? After the spot aired, uh, Oatly sold T-shirts saying, I totally hated that Oatly commercial, and they sold out in three minutes. Uh, how, but how, many, how, many, how many do you think that means? I don't know, but there's... You would wear that, said, Mark. I th- Oh, absolutely. Well, oh, first yeah, of all, but I wouldn't buy it from the fucking Oatly guy. That would make me yeah. even more mad. Well, let me just say this. They don't even about sell a, milk anymore. They just sell T-shirts. About a year ago. <laughs> Business Drew, model's changing. Drew actually admitted that he drinks oat milk. So That's such a, fa- that's that. such a fictitious statement. Uh, it is so, so true. You're like, hey, man, I drink oat milk and uh, eat peanut butter uh, toast every day. But What's wrong with peanut butter toast? Absolutely nothing. It's phenomenal. Anything with peanut butter is great. Now, I what their CEO said, um, or the other the CEO of their creative department. I think the whole idea of a Super Bowl spot is not to make a rankings list. It's actually to like make a point. If it's called the worst, best, weirdest spot from the Super Bowl, then all those outcomes are successes. And he has a point. There's no such thing as bad PR. We're talking about We're this talking today. About it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I think everybody was like watching it, like just it, it's it's thirty seconds long, and it seems like an hour and a half, and you're just sitting there with your mouth and your jaw drops, like what the fuck is this, and why is this here? Um, I mean, it's as painful as like the worst karaoke I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't know. They spent five five point five million on the spot. Mark, you live in on Vashon, which probably consumes more oat milk per capita than anywhere in the world. So why don't you tell us what the delicious advantages of oat milk are? Well, I, I don't fucking drink oat milk. I think that shit tastes <laughs> like shit. Look, I understand if you have a gluten allergy, you don't have a lot of options or something for your celiac. So yeah, you should be drinking that. <laughs> I, I have tried to put that in my coffee a couple of times. And I mean, it just tastes like somebody, you know, walked outside and like rubbed their fingers and like brown red dirt and then came in and like dunked their fucking fingers in your coffee. It's terrible. (laughs) I will tell you something hilarious though, is that on the Island at the Vashon Thriftway yesterday, they had a post we have, this is, this is what happens when you live on an Island. You have like Facebook groups or, you know, pages called like Vashonites. And so like the, the grocery store will post stuff for like all of us to know, you know, that's important. Like they ran out of this or they ran Mm -hmm. out of that. And, Yesterday, they said, we've had a lot of customers wondering where the Oatly has been the last couple of weeks. Here's a little more information, frowny emoticon. And it says, attention, oat milk lovers. If you love oat milk products as much as we do, we've got some bad news. Oatly has reduced their workforce and production significantly. Unfortunately, this means that we are not likely to have much, if any, Oatly products in stock for the next couple of months. We're sorry for the inconvenience. I find this fucking hilarious because how much does the Super Bowl commercial cost? Well, they just spent two million bucks on this ridiculous—I mean, whatever you call it—and just laid off all of their workforce. 
Huh? Like, well, Tony, oh. Tony finally got the Super Bowl commercial he recorded five yep. years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, you got to run a business somehow. I have another uh, bad commercial take that you guys are going to like. You know, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of mayonnaise on my sandwich. Gross. Yes. Yeah, I know. But it, it when used in the right ways, to when, me, when you it When you say mayonnaise, though, are you – because I think we've, we've had this conversation before. I love aeolium. Make it at home all the time. Are you talking about craft mayonnaise? I'm talking. I don't care what kind of mayonnaise. I think in in the right amounts used to me personally, and there's other people that feel the same way as me. It enhances the taste of a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, you eat craft mayonnaise, just to be clarified. I, probably Hellman's. That seems like they have a headlock on the industry. You monster. <laughs> but no here's what i'm saying i'll i'll use it on in a sandwich i will even if it's done right in a dip i will use it in some oh. sort of dip oh. i know and it, that even crosses the line for some people but what i'm trying to tell you guys i draw the line and i looked at that commercial and remember what it was it was like amy Amy Schumer. Yeah, Amy is that her Schumer. Name? Yeah, correct. She's like the mayo fairy, yeah. and she provides all this mayonnaise-based food. But if you actually look at it, there was a cake on the plate on the table. There was also nachos on the table. Like, I am absolutely one hundred percent out on nachos or cake that involve mayonnaise. <laughs> mayonnaise and cake is. Some sort of combination I've never heard of that makes me so disgusted. I'm not even sure. We move on, please. (laughs) You're disgusted. You're disgusted. I'm gagging over here. Next topic. (laughs) I have one more, one more, one more thing on the the Hellman's, which is more. It's more of a broad topic. It does seem weird to me spending these millions of dollars if you have a complete monopoly on the industry like Mm. when i said i have hellman's i guess you're right there's probably craft as well but like they're the go-to in the mayonnaise industry it'd be like ziploc bags uh paying for a super bowl commercial like you already you already own that space what is the point you're you're one of two mayo barons like yeah (laughs) (laughs) like really anyways that commercial was awful i'll never eat cake with mayonnaise or trying to think if i'd rather have cake i do i do want to move on to this because it also grosses me out however i i need to clarify because i know why i hate mayonnaise i need to know why ken hates it it's just gross. It's just I mean, taste makes, wise, or like, what is it about? Oh, the smell when you yeah. go to like a place and it has like a bin of mayonnaise sitting there and it's turning yellow. It's just gross. Yeah, I agree with you. Gross. We don't need to talk about talk. it anymore. I completely agree. <laughs> Order passes. <laughs> All right. Moving off the Super Bowl, 2020's third most sacked quarterback, Russell Wilson, expressed his displeasure at getting hit to reporters on a Zoom call. Echoing comments he made earlier this week on the Dan Patrick Show, asked if he was available for a trade. Wilson responded, I'm not sure if I'm available or not. That's a Seahawks question. Drew reassure all of us Seahawks fans that, as usual, this is the media blowing smoke where there's no fire. 
Well, first off, um, you, as well as the rest of the media, cut off that quote. The next sentence was literally, I hope I'm a Seahawk forever. Yeah. Um, I think hopefully it can be forever is what he said. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless, that didn't make any of the articles. And if you actually watch the interview, he's kind of like laughing at the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I was as like, usual, I- anything that guy says, just – they run with it and it's out of context to me. Well, he talks in such in such football talk that if he says anything with like one shred of of anything people can grab onto, it's like this becomes a headline. It's really dumb. But I remember thinking, like, I feel like this happened last year. So I Googled it. It took me like 20 seconds. So last year in the Super Bowl leading up to it, he told uh, I, I don't think it was Dan Patrick, but a similar outlet that the Seahawks needed to get more superstars on their, on their team. And I remember that being like, that was a big thing. Like, Oh, is Russell going to leave if they don't get more superstars on their team? Mm-hmm. And it actually kind of worked really. I mean, they, they got Jamal Adams. He's a superstar. If you count mm-hmm. DK Metcalf, who was already on the team, but he kind of became a superstar. 100%. Um, uh, this this will blow over. It's not a big deal. Um, lastly, I do think, Mark, you're the biggest Seahawks offensive line hater I know. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable for the quarterback to mention something in completely like mellow terms. Of course, that it needs to be addressed. If yes. every fan in America, every Seahawks fan, is saying the same thing. The guy has been in the top three most sacked quarterbacks since he began starting for the Seahawks. I don't think it's unreasonable for him at all to be upset about it. I don't think it's unreasonable for him to want to talk to John and Pete about it and be a part of the decision-making team on how they're going to address it. He's the guy that takes the hits. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the fate of the – Fate of the franchise in his hands every play. Yeah. Um, but but I think uh, I think not only the Seahawks but uh, every other team in the NFL can learn a very good lesson from the game we saw on Sunday because that game was won in the trenches by the Bucks. Tom Brady was great, no question about it. But that game was won along the offensive and defensive lines by the Bucks. So if that doesn't tell you that it's important for your team to win a Super Bowl to build from the inside out. I don't know what does. Um, so, you know, that's just something no, they're going to no have to doubt, address. No and, doubt the most unsung heroes in the NFL are on the offensive line. Easily. Easily. I The one thing I don't get is how the three of us talking shit on a podcast, like, and maybe we're not right. You know, there's a chance we're not right. But it seems weird to me. That seems impossible. To how <laughs> it seems weird to me how, like, people don't also grasp that what Ken just said, which is completely right. And Ken as a Giants fan knows the importance of a pass rush and protecting on both sides, like seeing what happened to Eli Manning in the last five years and then seeing what the Giants were able to do to win two Super Bowls on the defensive side of things. Um, It just, it seems weird that that's not um, a bigger deal. And I get that it doesn't sell jerseys and it doesn't get fans excited. Um, can tell you right now, like Seahawks fans would be much more excited about uh, uh, signing 
an all pro wide receiver than a left guard, but it's not going to bring you yeah, closer to a Super Bowl. Nope. And, nope. and whenever you draft an offensive lineman, it, it isn't sexy. I mean, it's also cl- physically the- not sexy. Yes. So, <laughs> but, but, but the thing is you're hundred percent right. I mean, what they do, their job is to do things that you don't notice. Yeah. You know, and, and that is an effective lineman is making plays you don't even really see, you know, I mean, occasionally we do when you have some amazing block or something, but if they're just holding on to a guy and preventing him from getting to another guy, our eye is never drunk drawn to that it's watching the quarterback it's watching the wide receivers it's watching running back you know it's but not why do why do people that know way more about football than we do not address those situations especially because it's a cheaper option than signing an all-pro I wide receiver or a quarterback. in a lot of cases they don't they don't want to pay their offensive linemen a lot of money if you draft a ta- an offensive tackle in the top five or top ten eventually you're going to have to pay them a lot of money now, that means that you're not going to be able to pay the people who actually handle the ball the money that they are, they're going to want, number one. Number two, I think a lot, of, a lot of teams think that they can coach players up um, and they can find undrafted free agents. They can draft, you know, sixth and seventh rounders. One of the best offensive linemen in the league, David Bakhtiari, was what, a sixth, seventh rounder? Um, so they, maybe teams just feel like they can coach that position up a little bit more effectively, but if you're paying, I mean, you should be paying a left tackle, a pass rusher, your quarterback and a corner. Those should be the, 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 the highest paid players on your team. Right. But if you don't have to, if, if you don't, if you don't have to, then you could pay those guys more money. Right. I think this plays into also the economics of any NFL team, which is, you know, are, are you selling offensive lineman jerseys? No, you're selling no. quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, or like big playmakers on defense. You're yep. not selling, you know, tackles or guards on the offensive line. Their jerseys aren't selling. They're not a money-making machine. Now no. they will make the team better, mm-hmm. but I think that when you're starting to make decisions about how you're going to spend your salary cap every year, you are preferencing players that are assets assets that are going to generate more additional revenue, mm-hmm. you know, outside of physically playing the games. And that's the a good point. Fair point. Fair point. Mark, as somebody, as somebody like yourself that lives in Seattle, though, like you can attest, winning a Super Bowl sells more merchandise than a receiver. Like 100%. in 2014 in Seattle, you couldn't walk into a library without seeing eight 12th man flags. Yeah. But I mean, I think what you're talking about is it's all about short term and mm-hmm. that's what they do. They start to think about this game as being year to year or even less. And that's how decisions are made rather than thinking, well, if we make these moves, we can win a Super Bowl in two to three years, right? Mm-hmm. That I mean, that that to me, l- look at how quickly teams get rid of coaches now. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't even let let them have five years. It's like mm-hmm. if you didn't get us there in two to three years, well, bye. 
You know, <laughs> I, well, one of them just one of them just died yesterday. Marty Schottenheimer. The Browns right. dumped him because he lost two awful AFC championship games. The Chiefs dumped him because he couldn't win the big one there. He coached one year, one year in Washington when eight and eight. They fired him. And then, of course, probably the best team in our maybe the best team in our lifetime that never won a Super Bowl that didn't win the Super Bowl. The 2006 Chargers, 14 and two. And he got fired for that. So, yeah. you know, you're absolutely right. You know, I think you're right. Teams don't think long term if you but if I was just thinking as you were saying that more, um, look at it. There's a team in the NFL that every year has a great offensive line. They're always competitive. Even some of the seasons, they don't make the playoffs. And that's the Ravens. Yeah. Every year they spend money or they scout or coach up in the trenches is as well, if not better than anyone else. And yeah, they may make the playoffs at nine and seven and get bounced in the first round, but that's a hell of a lot better than going, you know, six and six and 10 every year or five mm-hmm. and 11, mm-hmm. but they invest in, they invest in the trenches. That's why yeah. they're always competitive. The NFL to me is a company that's only concerned with the dollar of now. They're not concerned with the dollar of tomorrow. And they're always going to make decisions that they feel like benefit the dollar of now. I just said it's always been that way. And I think it probably always will be, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. All right. We all know that the Eagles have placed Carson Wentz on the trading block, but according to rival NFL offices, their asking price is ridiculous, laughable, and not worth countering. ESPN's Chris Mortensen and Adam Sheffer further reported that Philly is looking for a Matthew Stafford package. Ken, Is any team dumb or desperate enough to give up two first-round picks and more in order to acquire a quarterback that threw only one more touchdown than interceptions this season? No, because they would have done it already. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I I, honestly, um, this is a really, really difficult situation to kind of break down. You kind of hear some rumors about, you know, teammates, ex-teammates, kind of saying Carson is a little on a little on the uncoachable side, you know, uh, their coach won a Super Bowl without him. He did have mm-hmm. one great season where he was an MVP candidate for like 11 or 12 games. He also was a one man show, not this year, the year before when they made the playoffs with a bunch of nobodies. So obviously there's some meat on the bone to work with there, but if they haven't paid, paid the price by now, they're not going to. And, you know, what happens if nobody does some, I mean, somebody probably will, you know what, what does that say about him? If the Colts haven't made that move yet, and that's the place everybody thinks he should go to because of Frank Reich. Well, maybe Frank Reich doesn't want him. It's certainly possible. Like when people would mention that uh, Harbaugh would come, would, would come to the Colts and coach Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck never really seemed to be on board with that. So, I mean, it's certainly possible that Frank, Frank Reich, Really doesn't want him either. Um, so, you know, who knows? Maybe they're just stuck. They're stuck with him. And they, you know, um, let him play out the preseason. See who get see who wins the job. And then maybe there'll be a, there'll be a, um, you know, a higher asking price or delivery price at that. Um, maybe after training camp, who knows? But uh, I, if they haven't given up the picks by now, they're going to, they're going to, someone's going to get Carson Wentz for a You song. think Philly drops to earth? Or they're going to continue playing hardball. They're going to have to. The other, really quick, what made me think of this when Ken was mentioning his MVP season, the fact that they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, who's done nothing 
anywhere else tells you that that team was pretty damn good around him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which means more to winning a Super Bowl than the individual, my opinion. Anyways, um, but yeah, if he doesn't, the the only like like what Ken said, if and maybe they're just negotiating. Um, the Colts are in somewhat of a bind, like quarterback wise. They don't really have. I mean, are they going to go with Jacoby Brissett? Uh, I don't see them winning a Super Bowl that way. And if if Frank Wright believes that he can bring back 2017 Carson Wentz, maybe they make that move. But man, that salary and He's adding a necromancer, he, he'll bring him back from the dad. <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't they done it yet? Why haven't they done it yet? If he's that good and they wanted him, they'd do it. Yeah. I agree. Culture, a good team it, building through the draft too. So, I mean, that that could also play into that. And maybe teams are just standing pat and like, hey, he's not worth this. Somebody's going to get him at a better price. Yeah, but maybe the Colts will. Maybe the, Col- maybe the Colts will. Yeah. I could see Philly doing some – I mean, I, the Texans would be idiotic to do this, but I, if this Watson thing – turns into this scenario where they're going to have to trade this guy to get some sort of value. I could see, I I don't know why I can see Watson in an Eagles Jersey and I can somehow, because the Texans just seem to be able to step on their own dick at every opportunity. (laughs) I can see them winding up with a Wentz in a Texans Jersey and a couple first round picks. They're going to waste. Yeah. Um, They don't even have any. Well, I, well, I know that the Texans don't. I'm saying if they traded Watson to the oh yeah, players, well, the team would. to watch here, in my opinion, is the Jets because the Jets have a lot of ammunition and Sam Darnold, who a lot of teams believe in. So, I mean, I heard a rumor over the weekend that there was a three-way trade in place with the Eagles, Jets, and Colts. So the, the Jets were actually trading Darnold to I think the Eagles. Um, the Eagles were trading Wentz to the Colts and the Colts were sending more picks to the Jets and the Eagles. And that way the Jets are going to really load up on picks and be able to trade for Deshaun Watson. I heard that rumor over the weekend. I heard, I I think it was just somebody making some shit up, but the team to watch it really, in my opinion, is the Jets though. I mean, they have the Jets have a a very, very good opportunity to really improve their team this off season. Um, they have a high, pretty high pick in the draft. Oh, they have what the second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can trade that trade down for that and get more first round picks, however they want to do it. But you know, I, I think the way, chance would definitely way be too early call right now for next season is Jets in the playoffs. All right. Love it. I love it. I don't know why I got a weird feeling about it. Why, whiniest fans in sports. Yeah. Other than well, Met fans. If anybody can turn around, I think Robert can. <laughs> they're the same. They're the same fans, Ken. Yeah, they are the same fans. Exactly. Not like us, um, cocky Yankees and Giants fans, always winning. Always win, except this tough. year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pe- people don't forget, Ken. You did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move into. To erase the memory of those awful Super Bowl 55 commercials, today we're going to each draft our top three favorite commercials of Super Bowl's past. Snake draft and all start with Drew and Ken following, respectively. With the top pick, I'm going with the gimme 
It's a Reebok's Terry Tate Super Bowl 37 commercial. It's great. Ironically, that seemed to have put Reebok out of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard of them since. I didn't even know they were in business anymore. You're right. <laughs> Jesus. Drew, where are you going with number two? Oh, uh, it's between it's between two picks. Both are classics. But I'm going with the um uh, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, uh, trick shot contest to win McDonald's. Oh, yeah. It was back when I used to love the NBA. I watched it today, and it was kind of nostalgic. That was a classic. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. Nice. That was a good one. That was a good one. Ken. All right, man. Three and four, two picks. All right. Oh, shit, I forgot he gets two. Ugh. Also, Ken loved the lemon lemon Bud Light. I did. (laughs) He also loves he also loves seltzer, so that's probably why. Whatever, dude. You'd put oat milk in your Folgers. So, um, (laughs) if you're gonna lie about my oat milk consumption, I'm I'm not. You said it to me, just like you stole my queso recipe. Just because I'm from Seattle does not mean I drink oat milk. Oh, you drink oat milk. Whatever. Whatever. Drew is wearing an I hate Oatly shirt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, can you can you milk oats? You can't. I don't know. Well, I mean, define milk, right? Because do they have nipples? Yeah, or something? Can, you can make oat milk. You can make almond milk. You can make you know rosemary milk. You can make dirty gym T-shirt milk. Whoa! So they it's rosemary milk. milk. Should, What's rosemary milk? It's the same. It's the same process. That yeah, uh, you milk some oats and you milk some. Oats. <laughs> I'm gonna buy some oat milk tomorrow and just. Pound it. Um, all right. So let me go. You let can't me get find one. it anywhere. Uh, well, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> so with my first pick and the third overall pick, I am going with the biggest classic Super yeah, Bowl I commercial I knew of it. all time. Of all time. This is, and honestly, I knew it. This I almost came took out, it. This came out when I was three years old. And I was going to ask is, if you were alive. That's how I was old alive. You are. I was three years old, and this is my earliest memory of football. Mean Joe Green Coca Cola commercial. <laughs> I know. I can't believe you got that to this day. Throws the Coke bottle back. Throws the, the jersey. Throws, throws the, the jersey. jersey. Right. Hey, kid. Yep. Oh, I can't man. believe you got Thanks, that with me. the third pick. That's by Thanks. far the number. Yeah. I thought that would be the number one. I thought it would come back to me. Uh, I just thought the I. I for me, like you feel that way about mm-hmm. how I feel about mm-hmm. MJ Bird. Probably, yeah. I was like ten years old when that came out. Yeah, thanks, I mean, me, Joe. Are you guys are you guys making these picks because they're nostalgic, or because you actually think they're good commercials? I think it was a great commercial. Great commercial for the time, it, or, or if it came out now, you'd think you'd be came like, out yeah, now. It'd be awesome. If it wasn't a good commercial, we wouldn't be talking about it. Okay, forty so years later, twenty. It's like forty. I said, I said forty. <laughs> oh. Oops. I can name you Sorry. 40 shows that we all remember fondly that we shouldn't be ever mm-hmm. talking about again. Who, who, if this commercial came out today, who's throwing the shirt to the kid? Ooh, good question. Aaron Donald. Mm, I can see that. Jamal Adams. But I will say this you know, who would have been great at, you know, who would have been great in that commercial would have been Michael Strahan. He would have been, been a, that he would have been, been the pick. Perfect. He would have, that would have been the pick. Would have totally worked with him. Um, now, uh, for my next pick, I am going with one of the classics that I have discussed on this show many times, and that is the Bud Bowl. I love yeah. the Bud Bowl, man. Bud Bowl was awesome. We, we, me and my friends absolutely loved it. But if you guys recall, 
Do you think there maybe was people you taking? Do you think there was people taking action on the Bud Bowl? Perhaps, perhaps. Because it was before the internet, you wouldn't know if it yeah. was who was going to win. What happened know. to Bud Dry, by the way? I don't know what happened. To, it's went the way of Bud Ice, um, Crystal Pepsi. There you go. <laughs> but but I will say this: one of the things I remember the most about the Bud Bowl, which either both of you guys probably either never watched it, and if you did, you don't remember this. But there was a, a season finale of Married with Children. It was like maybe their third season. And it, it was a great show back in the day. And Al with Al thought he was going to jail. And before he left, he turns around and says to his kids, let me know who wins the Bud Bowl. And then he just walks out <laughs> of the house. <laughs> it was great. It was there's great. No way, there's no way Married with Children passes the cancel culture. Oh, no way. No way. No, no way. It's like Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds, if they made, they could not, could not make that movie today. But Seth MacFarlane they can't even is make coming the out. Office, and that was like 10, 8 years yeah, ago. They, they, Seth MacFarlane is making a, a, a new version of Revenge of the Nerds, apparently. So we'll see. I bet you're excited. Very. If it's as good as A Thousand Ways to Die in the West, the movie was hysterical. <laughs> Drew, where are you going with number five? This one's for Ken. I'm doing it for the sex appeal. <laughs> Cindy Crawford, 1992 Pepsi commercial. That thing, there was little uh, 10-year-old me watching that thing like, holy crap, I didn't know that women like this existed. I live on Vashon <laughs> Island. You guys drinking live in milk. the fucking past all these picks are just weirdo nostalgic get out of here <laughs> all right <laughs> all right mark you're up well i, can't, I mean i can't you. believe all this shit is falling to me so i'm yeah I'm, there you I'm go totally okay i'm taking budweiser magic fridge super bowl 40 yeah that was good it's great it's hilarious it was guys it's the magic fridge that's <laughs> reappeared <laughs> Except when you're like our age, all of our fridges are full of beer. Like, that's not that cool. <laughs> oh, at the Super Bowl 40 was like when we were in college. No, I take that back. We're way older. 2005, no. right? That no, was, we uh, were. I remember it well because the Seahawks were playing. Yeah. So we were in college. I graduated 2006, so did Drew. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I graduated 07. I took the scenic route through college. Hmm. Also interesting. In more ways than one. <laughs> I don't know what to do with the seventh pick because I'm torn between three. One of them, I know the actor in it, which is why I sort of want to pick it, but I think I'm going to have to take the FedEx Castaway Super Bowl 47. Well, you got two, right? Well, no, before that, I took the Budweiser Magic. Oh, Fridge yeah, one. that's right. Uh, but the Castaway one was great, of course, from the movie. He gets the FedEx box and he never opens it. And he winds up bringing it back to the woman, right? In, in the actual film. But here it's the same thing. Another castaway figure, you know, brings the FedEx box back. And unlike the movie, he actually asks, hey, what was in the box? And so she's like, oh, nothing really. And she opens it just like, a uh, satellite telephone. That's pretty good. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's great. That's pretty good. That's good. That's pretty good. All right, Mark, you're going to be happy with my last pick. Okay. Only because it's, uh, I think it was from the last two years. It was either it was either last year Super Bowl or the one before that. But 
It has a bigger twist than an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Debacle. Uh, the Bud Light Night is in like a jousting contest and you think it's a Bud Light commercial and you're like, oh, just another Bud Light Night commercial. And this was like kind of at the end of the Bud Light Night campaign. Yeah. And then the Game of Thrones dragon comes out of nowhere. Cue oh, the Game of Thrones yes! music. Yes. <laughs> it was a Game of Thrones promo. That's right. That was phenomenal. That was good. I'll that give him that. that. All right, good. Ken. Last pick. All right. To cap it off, to conclude the segment, I am going with the Darth Vader Volkswagen commercial. You guys know how much I, I like Star you Wars. Were take it. I knew you, Ken was uh, taking it at some point. I have to, dude. I love that. That commercial was it's awesome. It's that was, it was a good commercial. awesome. It was such a good commercial, and it kind of reminded me of like when I was a little kid, like pretending I was Darth Vader or Han Solo, or whatever. And uh, you know, the dad clicks the button when he's trying to force use the force to turn on the right. car. That was great. Um, so good. Just loved it. Here's loved an it. interesting piggy piggyback question on that when you were the kid and you were doing pretend mm-hmm. time your imagination right were you usually the hero or the villain uh, great question i was always the hero but watching the tiger woods documentary Wait, you were uh, hans <laughs> <laughs> yes hans no. olo I was usually Luke. I was usually Luke taking like a wiffle ball bat and swinging it at everything. Um, yeah. But I will say this: watching the Tiger Woods documentary. So around the same time Tiger Woods' life went to shit, uh, I had gotten just gotten divorced, and uh, Tiger Woods was the first person I remember in my life that I um, empathized with who got into a lot of trouble. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. yeah give, cut the guy some slack here. You know, life isn't always that easy for everybody. I'm glad it's so easy for everyone who criticizes him. But that was the first time I could remember in my life when I was about, you know, 34, 35 years old, 33 or something. And I'm like, you know, kind of uh, rooting for the bad guy, so to speak, because everybody was coming down pretty hard on the guy. But again, Going back to what I said a couple of weeks ago, not everybody's going to be what the media wants them to be. So now I'd probably be the bad guy. When I was a little kid, like I said, I'd have a wiffle ball bat and like swinging it around, knocking over plants in my house. And, and you've, got, you've got siblings, right, Ken? Three sisters, yeah. Older, younger? Two older, one younger. We're all two years apart. All right. So you were you you were one of the younger children. I always feel like usually the the... The younger was, siblings have to play the bad guys. You know, <laughs> like play games. It's like, well, I'm going to be Skywalker and you're going to be Vader. Uh, well, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. We used to play Rocky and I had to be, always had to be Apollo Creed. And my sister was Rocky and my cousin was Clubber Lang. So I don't know, whatever. They used to make <laughs> me do all types of crazy shit, but I was the only boy. So I was kind of off on my own. Yeah, well, look own, how those my own fantasy turns. <laughs> yes. Movie franchises, right? Ab- absolutely. All right, we're going to bring in an impartial third-party judge to determine who had the best draft of Super Bowl commercials here, and that is going to be Drew's lovely wife, Ashley. Ashley, welcome to the podcast, and... Ooh, drum roll. Who declares the winner? 
Lady Ashley. So simply because, well, let me go in order of who is number three. Yeah. Number three is the Joe Green Coca-Cola Star Wars Bud Bowl. Now, I like all of those. They're kind of feel-good commercials, mm-hmm. but I didn't laugh at them. Yeah. Which that's what I want out of a Super Bowl. I so know it's it's, it's it's Ken living in the past. He's the oldest person on the podcast. He lives in the past. I remember him. Mean Joe. I, like I said, it's my first memory yeah. of football. Yeah. Well, they were feel good for sure, yeah. Ken. I felt very yeah. good. Thank you. Okay, the runner up, and honestly, the runner up mostly because of some big hitters in these are Michael Jordan, Cindy Crawford. <laughs> Bud like Bud Knight. <laughs> that runner up is your husband. Way to shove it up your husband's really? ass. There you go. Well, nice. the winner by far is Mark because Ooh. I laughed at the Reebok commercial. I laughed at the Magic Fridge <laughs> and I laughed at Castaway. <laughs> I love it. So that was like the minute you told me those three were connected, I was like, this person's hilarious. So yeah, congrats, Mark. Thank you very much. Have a great night, Ashley. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Ashley. You. On the pod and, Hi, guys. And we, we'll welcome you back anytime. Have a good night. This whole fucking game is bullshit. I didn't know we were going for the funniest commercials or of commercials that my wife would think for is the funniest. What's wrong with you? The whole point of the podcast <laughs> is to be funny. <laughs> you know what that sound means? It's time for our. We've talked about posing this topic for our grab bag for a couple of months now, and today is the day. Products that don't exist but should. Drew. Okay, I've I've actually been thinking about this uh, outside of our podcast, and I apologize because it's something that exists but needs to be expanded, and I can't figure out why. So I'll give you a quick backstory. About a month ago, I bought a fogless mirror for my shower because I was just, I had a beard. I was getting hair everywhere in the sink. And I'm like, you know, it'd be nice if I could just shave in the shower. Mm-hmm. And it has been life-changing. Like I've never honestly for a mirror in the shower because obviously yeah. it would fog up. So there's such a thing. There is yeah. such a thing as a fogless mirror that doesn't fog up. I get, Nice, a nice shave every morning. So this is my question. If we can make that fogless, why isn't every mirror fogless? That's a very that's a great point. And I would even expand that to if you can make mirrors fogless, you can make glass fog fogless. So why should I ever have to use defrost in my car ever again? Yeah, weird. <laughs> Is it more expensive? Or is it, what, what is it? What is the? What is I don't the understand. Look like it's agree. not expensive. They're like, it was like four dollars on Amazon. Huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. I've been shaved. I've been shaving in the shower for like twenty years, man. Can, can we just make? Can, so my here's my thing. Can we just make glass fogless now? Do we? Do we have to play this? Are we using old glass? What's the secret? To fogless glass and why don't we make it all fogless yeah. everyone hates fog on their glass it's <laughs> a very valid point ken where are you going with this oh i'm going with super bowl monday holiday <laughs> 
Not really anyone, a product, although I suppose well, it could be. Well, here's the thing. I, In my opinion, anyone running for public office, the first thing that they should do is run on a platform of the day after the Super Bowl is a national holiday or yeah. President's Day. Because it most people call in sick that day. I've done it myself. I've actually taken that day off. Well, it's the but number like, one day people call in sick mm-hmm. here is the exactly. after Super Bowl. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And all they all they have to do is be like, the first thing I'm gonna do when I become president is I'm giving you a national holiday after the Super mm-hmm. after Super Bowl Sunday. That guy would win hands down. When he, what do you, whatever what do you he does. Call the, what do you call the holiday? Um Super Bowl Monday. Yeah. I don't know. Or or just make it President's Day. Well, right? I I have a take. The NFL could make that happen without any politicians being involved by just having the Super Bowl the second weekend of February, yeah. and then it is always before President's Day. Move yep. the season back one week, and then every second week of February, which is President's Day, is Super yes. Bowl Sunday. Yes, yes, that is very true. However, Drew, you're robbing us of an extra holiday. We want How's, another. Oh, one. I see yes. what you're saying. We'd but have two. We'd have two, two three-day weekends in a row. In yeah, a row. We, we, yeah. Oh, like that would be the end of the fucking world. Too. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fuck. In Europe. F them. Yeah. Come on. Before you go, Mark, I I also just want to plant this seed. We need to do uh, products that do exist, or not even products. Things that exist that shouldn't. <laughs> Social That's media. That's a great grab bag. That should be the <laughs> next one. Social yeah, media. We definitely do that next week. Yeah. Can I just uh, throw? Can I throw one more out there? Of and course. I think, I, and I know that there is somebody else on this podcast who will wholeheartedly agree with me. Raisinless trail mix. Totally agree with you. Oh, <laughs> raisins are gross. You know, they're just kind of the bastard of everything there is. Yeah, they suck. I kind of don't understand why people put raisins and shit. You know, yeah. you know what the one Wait. for me is like the ultimate, like, I'm eating something. It's like 95% of it tastes fucking great. And then a fucking raisin enters the mix and it's a cookie. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah. why are you putting fucking raisins in raisins cookies? in anything? Yeah, we have plenty of time for vegetables and other parts of the day. Yeah, we don't yeah. need those in our cookies. I'm not I will even say, like, I will I, say this. I, I is can it, eat is, raisins and salad. I can. Craisins are good. Crosins? Cranberry <laughs> raisins. Those are, what are they called? Crosins? <laughs> Crazy. Go Drew. What were you going to say? <laughs> isn't, tra- isn't trail mix without raisins just peanut, peanut M&Ms? No, but I like the nuts and the chocolate together or peanut butter chips. You know what? Let's also Again, remove did you the hear peanuts. what I just Let's said? Let's also remove yeah. the peanuts. Let's remove yeah. the peanuts. Yeah. Just get peanuts <laughs> M&M, peanut M&Ms. It's just the M&Ms. Oh, like who like raisinets? Like who buys raisinets? That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Probably uh, I'd buy cinema. I'd buy some crazinets. Crazinets, yeah, <laughs> dude. Cranberry rate, cram crossins in a salad are phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right, my invention that doesn't exist but should is inspired by my early twenties living in L.A. and it is silent garbage trucks. <laughs> Yeah, electric power. Fucking. That's good. The sound of garbage trucks. Yeah. And it's always at like 
5.40 a.m. It's yeah. like, Jesus, man, you know, yeah, I can only afford $1,000 for rent. I guess that means I have to listen to the garbage truck at 5.40 every morning. Yeah. You'd think Prius you, could make a garbage truck. Yeah, totally. All right, if you've got a draft topic for or a question you'd like us to consider for a future please email fullblown coverage at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms at fullblown CVG. Drew, Ken, any closing comments before we sign? I just up? want the listeners to know that uh, Ken's wearing a shirt that says Road Trip 06. <laughs> 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 so give us some quick give us some quick cliff notes on that road trip that you guys made shirts for. It was for my wedding in 2006. My little yeah. sister made them for us, and everybody got them different colors. So I got a blue because I figured it would match our softball jersey, the team that I kicked Drew off of. Um, what year but, did the road trip end? Uh, <laughs> still hasn't. going on, Mark. <laughs> 2006. My name. My last name. Wait, wait. My last name is on the back. All right, that's all we've got for today's episode, but tune in next week for more full-blown coverage.